I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. What is up? What is up? What is up? Happy bloody Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of Curious Conversations. What is up, Sarah? Not much, Telly Louise. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How's life been? Life's been bloody phenomenal. (laughs) I'm using that word only because it was in the podcast. I'm glad you use that word and I'm not going to expand on that. But this week's episode, I have to say, is one of my favourite episodes we have recorded in the last year. I think so too. I really, really enjoyed that um, it, podcast. Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. I really enjoyed it. I found it really powerful, powerful, vulnerable, emotional, um, and really heart open, heartwarming actually is probably two good words, heartwarming. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. So we sat down with our friend, Damien. Yeah. And we can't say his last name, so we're not going to try because we're going to butcher it. <laughs> yeah, literally. But he is a game changer in his community. He's honestly making waves. He's changing the world and he has an amazing story and we're like, hey, mate, let's sit down. Let's have we a conversation. Yep. Yeah. And I, uh, he's going to go far and I just can't wait to see what he does because he's creating a platform changing people's lives yeah he's creating a platform to create conversations about being vulnerable and I don't want to talk too much into it because he literally explains it in this podcast and so much more if you guys are after life bangers or an opportunity to maybe open up bloody great podcast to listen to and at the end if you're not picking up the phone and dialing your parents something's up 100% that was one thing I took out so have a beautiful phenomenal amazing Wednesday that's it and also tell we're going to be running with Damien this weekend yes we actually are so I'm gonna dust the running shoes out yes so anyone listening after you've listened to Damien's podcast check out his Instagram and we will be joining him on the 48 hour marathon around the Marby yeah so we really hope to see you guys there and support Damien and create a conversation that's it hope you guys enjoy this convo Ciao. Hey, Damien, how are you? Amazing. How um, are we? We're good. We're good. Now, I don't know how to pronounce your last Ooh, name. Have a crack. Go. Both of you, and then I'll tell who's closest. Can you be you? What is it again? G E J A. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. Don't don't pronounce it the way it's spelt. So think Budja? Budgerio. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Wait, what is it? It's Maltese as well. So That's what Sarah I, said. I said it's probably Maltese. It's Maltese. Yeah. So how do you say it? Give it a crack. What'd I you said say? what Budge- I think it is. Budgerio. What did you say? Budja. 
Buja. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Bajaya. Bajaya. So That's j- close. Yeah. Oh, kind not of. really. So yeah. the, the J is like a Y. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah Sarah's like, I don't know mm. how to pronounce his last name. Mm, Bujia. It's, a, it's yeah. actually Arabic. Oh, is the, it? The name, it's, yeah, it's Maltese background, but it's yeah. an Arabic name. Oh, shit. That's cool. <laughs> Crazy, eh? So, I so found I, that out in the family tree. Oh, really? Yeah. So enough yeah. about your last name. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get yeah. into it. You are a runner and you have a charity, but you also have to meet an amazing story, but yeah. I don't know your complete story. Yeah. Can you share with us who you are, what you do, where well, you've come from? Where do I start? How long we got? Um, yes. As long as you need. I feel like I don't like using like the story thing. I feel like it's just life has happened. Yeah. And what you've I'm able to just reflect on that, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um but yeah, like growing up, Italian family, Maltese. My dad was Maltese, mum was Italian. Um, like anything else, I didn't have a hard upbringing. Yeah. Like that's the, you know, some people have stories of hardships growing up. For me, it was perfect. I had the most amazing family, holidays every year. Like life was actually mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, like any kid, all I wanted to do was play sports. That yeah. was me. Like I just wanted to play sport. I wanted to hang out with my mates. Um, and my thing was footy. Like my thing growing up was. All I focused on was just wanting to play AFL. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of kids, like yeah. your ultimate dream is to be a sportsman, a pop star, and like, you know, I never want to be a fireman or yeah. <laughs> a police officer. Nah. Like I wanted to do all that. Um, and I chased that dream like severely. Um, it just consumed everything that I kind of did. And um, yeah, kind of through my teenage years, that was my ultimate goal. And then, you know, things happen, like mm-hmm. life happens and, I always say like things happen that you don't expect um, and when you're a kid it's hard to sort of deal with. So growing up that's pretty much what I did from a from from a footy perspective was was chase that dream but then um, obviously you know my story about my dad and mm-hmm. dad getting sick which is probably the story that most people sort of want to hear because mm-hmm. I think it's the most relate, relatable as mm-hmm. well um, and every time I tell it it's like it opens up some vulnerable conversation in someone else because, you know, we all go through trauma, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's just a matter of, you know, whether you feel comfortable telling that story. So for me, um, dad ended up getting sick when I was quite young. So I think I was just turned 18 mm-hmm. um, and dad got diagnosed with cancer, which was, you know, for me, you always hear the term, yeah, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, people in my family never really got sick. I've never experienced loss, um, but you always hear the term sort of get thrown yeah. around and for me it just like hit home straight away that holy shit dad got diagnosed so the story goes that dad he went in for just a routine appendix removal oh, um wow. so we went down to the northern hospital in epping and the whole family went and we didn't think anything of it we thought oh it's you know it's an hour um operation he's going to come out one day in recovery and we'll be home and um I remember we were kind of like just sitting on the couches waiting and it was like 20 minutes into the surgery and um, I just heard like a massive thump and I looked over and my mum had collapsed on the floor (gasps) and I rushed over and I just noticed like her phone was on the floor and it it had like a call on there. So I just picked it up and I said hello and it was the surgeon like and I was like, I said, what's happened? And they said, basically said, your dad's, the, the, the words were, your dad's riddled with cancer. There's nothing we can do. We had to just close him back up. We'll come down and talk to you. By this stage, you could imagine, like, you have no information. You <clears throat> you don't know what's happening. Like, my dad, and I always say, like, my dad was my superhero. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
I didn't really have idols like growing up. I didn't really look up to anyone. I'd, for me, my dad was my number one. Like mm-hmm. just it was like him and I against the world, like classic, you know, mm-hmm. um, father-son type thing. And the doctor came down and basically said, your dad won't last the next three to four years. And I just remember crying and, cry- and my mum, like my, you got to picture my mum very dependent on my father. Like, yeah. You know, she didn't really work. Dad worked seven days a week. He was a breadwinner. He made all the decisions. He looked after all the bills, everything. So my mum, 35 years of marriage, he's just a wreck. I've got an older brother as well. and We were just crying. We were like, we just came into the today thinking that this mm. is this is just a routine, you know, like operation Sorry, and we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get out. And so from there it was like, all right, well, you know, we can't be treated here. There's only three surgeons in the world that deal with this type of cancer. And for me, it was just like this. I was 18 years old. Like this is too overwhelming. And, um, yeah, so we, we got shifted over to the Peter McCallum Cancer, uh, cancer Centre out in Flemington and we just went through the process. So pretty much the story goes for the next five years, Dad was in and out of hospital. I think he had six major surgeries and surgeries like, you know, these surgeries eight, nine hours at a time. Shit. Yeah, so... Um, at 20, I think I was 20 at the time, I decided to become a full-time carer, Mm -hmm. which is what dad needed. Um, so I quit work, I quit uni and for a year and a half, I just sat at home and became like a nurse. Um, Mm. and it was like probably the most mentally challenging time in my life because I'm 20. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be out, you know, one, still chasing a dream to play football. Mm -hmm. Too like I'm young, like I'm, I want to be out, Partying, I want to be with my friends, yeah. but I just knew that my attention just had to be at home. Mm-hmm. You know, my mum was, my mum couldn't deal with some of the things that we had yep. to deal with, and you can understand that, mm-hmm. can't you? Like it, it would have been super hard for her. Um, but yeah, full time carer for a year and a half. Did you have any support yourself through all of this? Yeah, like I was in a relationship at the time, so I was in a. I was probably three years into a seven-year relationship. But the thing I think and, I, you know, most people feel the same way is like you don't want to burden anyone as well yeah. because it's hard to understand, you know. Mm-hmm. Like even now, like when people tell me their story and I speak to a lot of people, it's like, you know, the ultimate level of care is having empathy. Yeah, of course. And empathy is not about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's just trying to understand how someone's feeling, like mm-hmm. just understanding emo- emotions and just being there. So for me, like it was hard for someone to understand what I was going through because unless you'd been through it or you've experienced those emotions, how can you lean on someone? Mm-hmm. The only thing you can kind of do is just someone can sit there and listen to you. Yeah, of course. That's the only thing, like there's nothing that anyone would say that would make it a little bit easier for mm-hmm. me, mm. you know. It's like I have to go home every day and see my dad cry yeah. and then I have to go to bed and cry yeah, and then wake up and try and show up again to laugh, which, you know, sometimes I just like I didn't want to do, you know. Mm. Um, so I did that for a year and a half. But when I say full-time care, like dad out of one of the surgeries came came out with an ileostomy bag, which is yep. – so what happened was they nicked, he nicked his bowel in one of the surgeries, which meant um, – Everything was like leaking into his stomach. So he had to have emergency surgery sort of a day later because he would have passed away Um, and he came out with an ileostomy bag which means his intestine is attached to the outside of his stomach which means he goes to the toilet in a bag Mm -hmm. and that bag has to be changed 
twice a day. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine like you can't do that yourself. Um, so, yeah, I basically had to do some training around how to treat an ileostomy bag and then at the same time like dad's surgeries was – he was cut from his sternum down to his – below his belly button um, and he ended up – the like the wound ended up opening to like probably an apple size. Wow. Um, which meant like then that had to be treated every day for mm. about a year because the wound took that long to heal. Yeah. So um, – yeah, I just I took some little like short courses at the hospital, just on how to how to clean it, how to treat it. Um, also, I had to, how to inject him with morphine mm-hmm. um, and ketamine and and like some pretty serious drugs, which was at twenty years old. Like when you you know have to get up at two in the morning because dad's screaming in pain, get a syringe and mm. you know jab your dad just to make him feel comfortable. Yeah. Your like, strength is amazing. Yeah, I know, I, but it's also like love too. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like the love you would have, like you, you have is incredible. It's, you just don't think about it, yeah? No, 100%. Cause, and like I would, not that I would do it for anyone, but when you see someone in so much pain, your natural instinct as a human is to just be like, I want to help, help you. you. Yeah. You know, but then when it's your dad mm. and it's your best friend and yeah. it's the one person that you've idolized your whole life, it becomes just second nature so mm. like for me i didn't think about like you know not being able to work not being able to study study not being able to live like a normal 20 year old all i thought was i've got a role to play yeah yep. and i just have to do that as best i can as strong as i can and i'll deal with myself later on you know but mm-hmm. you know the effect of that is you neglect yourself yeah a lot mm-hmm. um and then you know you kind of have to find a way to keep moving forward and you know i lost a big part of my life but I, if I had to do it all again, I'd do the exact same mm. thing, you know. And so 2017, the 25th of March, Dad ended up passing away and um, I still remember like to this day and, you know, there's so many lessons that come out of it. But for me, like the ultimate thing was, you know, two days before Dad passed, the nurses said like, you know, start saying goodbye. And mm-hmm. it's like we've just – I've watched Dad now go from sort of – he was 110 kilos when he got diagnosed and he was 40-something. When he passed away. Yeah. So we saw a massive, mm. massive decline. And um, at this stage he was kind of conscious but not really. He could hear us and he could see us but he couldn't really respond. So the doctor said if you need to say anything, say it now because it could be the last few days. And so we got the family together, mum and brother, and I said we need a – he needs the opportunity to say goodbye to mum, mm-hmm. me, David, my brother, um, anyone else he wants to talk to. So – my mum said, there's no way. Like, there's no way I can go in and be like, hey, this is the end. Oh. And I think dad knew like deep down but his strength was so amazing that not once did he ever complain, did he ever whinge and and that was the incredible thing for me. So I was like, he deserves this. Like I said to David, I said, please just come support me. He goes, I can't talk though. He goes, I, I just, mm. I said, just come stand next to me. That's all I need. So I went in, um, I was, what, 23 at the time and this is probably the hardest thing I'll ever have to do in my whole life and I remember he just was sitting in the chair and I kneeled down, my brother kneeled on one side and I just said, um, hey, Dad, we just, like, we spoke mm. to the nurses and this is, like, this is the end and I remember just, like, bawling my eyes out without him even because, you know, you can see the weary look in his face. You can see how depleted and mm. how over it he had been and, you know, I think he... He wanted to pass but he didn't. Like yeah. it was yeah. hard for him to let go. And I, the last thing I ever just said to dad was, 
you can let go now. Like I said, mm. we're all going to be okay. And like even now, like it's still like it chokes me up just yeah. to talk about I'm it. I'm going to cry too. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and like I've t- I told this story like oh, 30 no, times. Oh, no, it would not get any easier. No, and it just gets harder every time. Yeah. And Dad just looked back and the last thing I ever heard my dad say was I'm scared. Oh. And like that's the one – that's the last memory I kind of have was like I'm scared and – you know, when I look back and, and see everything I've kind of achieved over the last three years, it's like how can I ever be scared about anything? Yeah, you're right. Like how can I go into any relationship, into any business venture, any run, start anything amazing and be fearful of any anything? Mm. You know, like when I've watched my father say to me, I'm scared of dying. And when you see someone faced with fear, uh, faced with death, yeah. that's like the ultimate level of fear. Mm-hmm. Like that is the ultimate level of knowing that you are about to leave this earth, leave your children, your wife, right. your family. And for me, it was probably the one turning point in my life because, you know, two days later he passed away. Um, and I remember just feeling a sense of relief, yeah. Like mm. I just remember feeling like like I was sad but I, I, I just wanted it to happen. Like yeah, we yeah. needed it to happen as a family. Like my mum was tired, you know, like I was sort of at a bit of a breaking point. Um, you know, I kind of had like, you know, thoughts that I'd, I didn't want to be there at times, mm. you know, like I remember and I've, I've my mum only found this out probably last year, late last year that, you know, there was times where I'd walk around the house and I'd get a knife and I'd like put it to my neck or mm. put it to my chest and just say like, is this easier? Mm. Like would it be easier just to end it here? Um, and I'm so glad I didn't because yeah. everything that we've been able to do now and, you know, the love and care we've been able to create is all because of just having that pain mm. and that pain is incredible. Like it's it's an incredible – I feel that pain every day. Like every day I wake up and I still think would it be easier. Yeah. But then I think about, you know, being able to have a conversation like this with amazing people and network and my mum, my niece, my nephew mm. – and I just think life has so much more to offer than, you know, just holding myself back because, yeah. you know, I've experienced – I never want to be a product of my circumstances. And I think that's a message I'm like trying to push to everyone. It's like it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you go through, you you can always come out the other side. Yeah. You true. know, stronger, with more courage, um, wiser, whatever it is. And so that was pretty much, you know, a big part of my life and – since then, yeah, we've just created some amazing things. With the, I found a love for running from it. Yeah. Like, you know, my thing was, you know, instead of sitting at home feeling sorry for myself, it was get out, go for a run, mentally recharge. And, I was going to say, is that your meditation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I've tried meditating mm. and I just can't sit there and be at peace. But yeah. like when I run, I can zone out for two, three, four hours at a time and just feel like the world is washed away, mm. you know, and nothing seems to matter in that moment. Which is your, yeah, your meditation. Absolutely. Which is normal. Like mm. with everything you've been through, how do you, how did you and how do you think people can um, change their perception to like what you have come mm. out of it and see the good that can come out of it? Like yeah. there's so much life has to offer rather than the yeah. other, which would be like playing a victim. Yeah. Grief. Yeah. It's, you know, there's not one thing that you can do, yeah. Mm. Like for me, it's an accumulation of of creating a holistic lifestyle. Mm. So, you know, people say like there's one thing you could say to someone. So like if I – one thing, I won't give you any advice. It's it's an accumulation of 
all right, now what can I implement in my life from a diet perspective, from a training perspective, from a network perspective? Who do you surround yourself with? Um, you know, how are you learning? How are you growing? Do you have to create a purpose? Yeah, yeah, like for me, I found a why and that yeah. stopped mm. me from falling into a, ho- into a hole, yeah? yeah? Mm. So like every day I get up now, it's like what's my intention today? Like when I go to work, I don't just go to work and make coffees and serve. It's like my intention today is to make someone happy. Yeah. Is to come in and make someone feel loved, cared for, you know, try and get to know someone today. Like I set little agendas every day, you know, because otherwise what's the purpose? Mm. Like you're just going to go to work, you're going to come home and you're going to have no reason as to what you did today. Yeah. You are one of the most um, present people I think I've ever come across because when we go into the coffee shop and you actually ask how you are, you're generally asking Mm. how that person Mm. is. We were saying that before. I said to Sarah, I was like, Damien like has so much love. Like I hate hugs, and, to, and you hug, you've hugged me three times <laughs> today. Yes, today. yes. But I'm like trying to learn to like hugs more. And I was like, mm. actually, when you hugged me, I actually mm. felt this is going to sound so mm. random, but like safe and like mm. loved. Mm. And you have mm. that, which mm. is such an amazing quality yeah. to have. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it, but that's the thing too is it's not for everyone. But I've done so much development on myself. Mm. And, you know, people say like, you're always hugging, you're always smiling, Mm. you're always – and it's like, you know, there's a lot of pain behind all those hugs. There's a lot of pain behind all those smiles. But like being present is like ultimately what matters. Um, And like, you know, I I deal with people every day, you know. I'm in a cafe where I get to speak to 100, 200 people every single day. And the common thing that I used to see was people just be like, oh, hey, mate, how are you? And then just walk off. Mm. And it's like – well, it doesn't really like you don't actually care. Yeah. Like, and I've always said to myself, if I'm going to ask a question, I've got to be willing to sit there and listen to the answer mm-hmm. behind that. And if it's an answer that I, you know, that either I don't want to hear or I've still just got to sit there and listen and give mm-hmm. that person the time because, you know, the one we let slip by is the one that goes off the rails and ends exactly. up falling into depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. So people say, like, like people drain your life all the time and I'm like, yeah, they do. Mm. But you know what? Let them because if that ultimately allows me to save their life, I'll sit here and I'll quit my job. To, no, I won't quit my job to listen but <laughs> yeah. I'll stop for the next half an hour and mm. just listen to that person because mm. if everyone just doesn't care, well, the ultimate like being of, of living is love, belonging and connection. Yeah. Mm. That's what we all crave. 100%. Take away materialism, take away all the money, the cars, the houses, the clothes, everything. We want to be loved. We want to be connected to something mm-hmm. and we want to feel belong to something. That's true. Like, and if coming into the cafe and you've got to think for most people, that's the start of everyone's day. Mm-hmm. So it's the start of everyone, everyone's day is for me to allow them to smile, to feel safe, to feel connected. What does that do for the rest of their day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Doesn't. that's how I look at it. And for me that's about being present every day and like – you know, like I, I don't get a lot of messages of of like people saying, "Oh my God, like you're you're amazing. You run, you this." It's like, "Hey, can I talk to you about such oh, and such?" And for me, I'd much rather that. Yeah, I don't care that I run. Like my running is an avenue for me to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. about these things. And if I can help people and teach, the thing is, there's only so much impact I can create by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. My job and my legacy is going to be around how can I allow other people to do what I do mm-hmm. 
you don't have to run. Like you don't have to care. You don't have to, like you don't have to do what I do. Like anyone can care, you know. And that's why I stop and I'll give you a hug mm-hmm. and I'll whatever. Like that's just me. Yeah. And that's how I know how to create that atmosphere of love and care. And I'll continue to do that. And if that allows a few other people to then take that into their life, well, we're now it's a domino effect, isn't it? Yeah. Have you always been like that before, like in your teens? Have you always been like that or is that um, just something you did? No, I, like I have been. I've always yeah. been an affectionate person. Yep. Like if you, if anyone had met my dad, there's so much of me in my dad yeah. and, you know, so much of my dad in me and he was the ultimate listener and that's mm-hmm. why like growing up my dad was like the go-to person, mm-hmm. yeah, for everything. If anyone had issues, problems, whatever it was, they'd go to him. So as a kid I'd just be sitting there watching him and see how he would intently and like there's listening and then there's like intently listening Mm -hmm. like what are you doing with your eyes like where's your attention going and that's what I just learned from a young age um I think the whole love and care came just from experience like losing dad um the same year I lost dad I was in a seven-year relationship that ended and you know like I think it's an accumulation of all that yeah that you kind of you end up being like you know what like I've I've had it kind of tough like I wouldn't say it's been like really really rough it's been shit but you know like I'm surrounded by such amazing people Mm. you know um and I'll continue to do what I do regardless if people take up my time or take up my energy at the end of the day that's the only way you're going to create change Mm. you don't start a business and it's all just rosy daisy do you you got to put in time you got to put in energy you probably cried a lot you're probably stressed a lot like that's just what you have to do mm. to succeed and create change. Mm. How do you fill your cup back up? Giving so much of yourself mm. to others, mm. do you know when you're starting to feel yeah. depleted? Oh, <laughs> weekly I yeah, feel depleted yeah. because for me it's an accumulation of everything, yeah. Like physically I'm exhausted constantly just mm. from the training. Emotionally I'm exhausted because I'm having open, vulnerable conversations every single day. Mm. You know what I do? I just I just cry. Yeah, <laughs> you do? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Like, mm. you know, the other night I was just I was with my partner and you know, we we're just talking and I just said I'm 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 tired. Mm. Like I'm emotionally just and I just started crying and she goes, "You are okay? so just just let me be let for me the next 5 out. 10 yeah. minutes." And then you know, like the you know, the physical side of being exhausted also fills my cup because I'm getting out, I'm exercising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm working on such an amazing passion. So as much as I'm exhausted, that fills my cup emotionally, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I just face the fact that I know emotionally I can handle it all. Like mm-hmm. I've just I watched my dad pass away. Like there's nothing that I can really go through now that will emotionally like. So for me to listen to people talk, it's like, well, all right, I might emotionally get a little bit tired and have a little cry here and there, but I just know I can get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just other things too, like I'm very, like I practice a lot of gratitude, you know, like I sort of write down, you know, three things that I'm grateful for every day. I set intentions every day, like that's all cup feeling, yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is my network. Yeah. Like I'm constantly on the phone. Like if it means you know finishing work and then from the drive from work to here, I'm on the phone to my best mates, just checking in, just seeing the amazing things they're doing. Like that fills my cup. Yeah. You know, like I feel like if you just rely on one thing, if I just relied on my running, like there could be a time where the running's taken away from me, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Injury or whatever, then what do I do then, mm. you know? So for me, I just I focus on so many other things um, just to fill that cup. But, 
yeah, I, I keep it pretty simple too. Um, I feel like you can overcomplicate your happiness as well. Yeah. You know, true. like yeah. you can try and like seek out happiness too much and then you uh, you overthink things. Yeah. Whereas for me, I just keep it really simple. I know what works for me. Mm. And yeah. most people would be the same. I think it's life is a simple process mm-hmm. and if you're if you're striving to achieve things, time becomes I know like you don't want to ever use time as an excuse, but it is limited, yeah? Like I'm sure there's times when mm. you're like shit where's all that time gone mm-hmm, like yeah. what do I like so for me it's like the things that I'm doing in between all the things that I'm doing yeah you know yeah so I don't know I just for me it starts with smiling yeah, oh, I know that yeah. sounds stupid but no, it's you not. see me all the time like at the cafe like you know there's days I go into the cafe and I feel like shit like I'm I've, I haven't slept or I've trained or I've cried and just smile yeah, like yeah. someone will smile back. It's contagious. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it just it's a flow on effect and that's why I love doing what yeah. I do. I read this thing a little while ago and I started doing it. I haven't done it for ages. It was during lockdown because I had it tough mm. in lockdown. I hated lockdown. Mm. And I read this thing that as soon as you get up, you smile, yeah. you look like an idiot, mm. but no one's going to see yeah. you smile and it sets you up for the day. Yeah. And I did it for a little while and it was mm. fucking powerful. Yeah, so it's, it, true. It, yeah. It, it's science though. It's yeah, not it even is. like yeah. it's not even like oh yeah, I've tried it. It's okay. No, it actually generally it's works. Science, yeah, you know? like that's why for me, I just I do that every day. No, it's amazing because yeah. like if you see me smile, you're so one thing I I've started doing, and like you can do this too is like the whole going back to the how are you thing is like people I'll say to people how are you at the like if I'm serving them, yeah, and I say how are you. Oh, yeah, good. And they're just looking at the menu. They'll be like, how are you? And I'll be like, I am phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. like I start just using like crazy yeah. words. And then they just – and you see them like – it's like they heard but they didn't. And then a second later they're like, phenomenal. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And then you just start a conversation. It's a conversation starter. Yeah. So like I start just, you know, using my vocabulary as a way of starting a conversation. So a smile and if it means just saying one word like I'm fantastic mm. – at 6.30 in the morning, like not everyone's fantastic at 6.30 in the morning. No, like, get a little bit of shock because it usually know. is, oh, I'm good. Yeah, and that's a game changer yeah. for people, you know. So, yeah, it's sort of little things I do. Yeah. Was the cafe and the vulnerable conversations you started having there the inspiration for using Instagram and creating a new series, the Vulnerable Fun. Series. Yeah. Was that your inspiration? You, um, s- you saw people starting to have real honest conversations with you and you're like, yeah. there's more to this. Yeah, definitely. Like I think the, the cafe was just one avenue, yeah. yeah. I think the thing is just meeting people mm. like along the way, like friends of friends, networks, when I went out or just everywhere I went, it started becoming the norm, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like people sort of knew, oh, you're the guy who ran. And then from the run it's like, you know, but the conversation yeah. will start, like why would you start running? Mm. And then, the you know, my situation, my dad would come up and then, the thing is, once you share a story and someone else feels safe enough, yeah, they will share a story. Because I, I guarantee. We're talking about Sarah and I, yeah. I like you. We just talk yeah. real, yeah. and then they come yeah. in and say. Like and if so I sat down individually with like yeah. both of you, yeah. some shit will come up. Man, Tully, yeah. oversharers. <laughs> Tully asked yeah. me to um, how I would describe you before, and I said he's an instigator. Yeah. Yeah. He, he instigates <laughs> of good things. Are. Yeah, of real <laughs> and raw drama. conversations, yeah. and yeah. I think that is. One of the most mm. admirable traits. 100%. Like mm. you mm. instigate people to have mm. real, honest yeah. conversations. Yeah. And you know what the crazy thing is? Like I've talked to CEOs, I've talked to famous people, I've talked to – and they're all doing incredible things but when you sit them one-on-one and have a conversation, like, wow. 
you realise that it doesn't matter who you are. Nah. Like, that is a hard thing to do. Yeah. But do you know, ha- the funny thing is you actually probably every friendship group needs someone like you, like us. Mm. We had a friend on our podcast the other week mm. and she was like, I'm actually really grateful we're catching up like this mm. because if we went out to dinner, mm. we would be having the same meaningful conversation. Yeah. Mm. Not, yeah. yeah. And it's I'm true. just like, mm. where is the time and space for meaningful conversations? Anywhere you want I think to anywhere, be. 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If So if someone came to you and spoke about their vulnerability and stuff, yeah. how would you want them to walk away and feel? Depends what the – like if the vulnerable situation is a, is a negative for them. Mm. I want them to walk away and, and feel, in one, inspired to create change mm. but, two, to keep the conversation going. Keep it open. Because the the hardest thing is you can have a conversation in the moment mm. but that conversation never should really ever end there. No, it should You know, like it be a the connection, point yeah, to, it's, it's, just, it's a building block yeah. for like, all right, now let's have many more conversations. Mm-hmm. So if they walk away and say, hey, I really want to keep connecting with you, that's perfect. Amazing. But then go away and say, all right, well, what can I do now to change my situation? Mm-hmm. Because that's the hardest thing to do is like, you know, it's just accept. Like acceptance is the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Like I know when I lost my dad, the hardest thing is just to accept your situation, yeah. The second hardest thing to do is now create change. Mm-hmm. So I think for people to walk away and say, all right, accept I am where I am because of majority of the time choices, sometimes you can't control what's happened. Like for me, I couldn't control what happened to me but mm-hmm. what I can control is my emotions. Yeah. I can control my actions. I can control what I choose the outcome to be next. Mm-hmm. So if people walk away wanting to take ownership is the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you have anything, control over yeah, your own emotions you and do, reactions. Like, you know that your business is not going to work if you don't put in the time and effort, mm. if you don't take ownership that it's going to succeed because I want it to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's the same as like, you know, if, if someone can't, you know, can't get out of a toxic relationship. Mm. Well, take ownership that you are in a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and put an action plan in place to say, all right, I do not need to be here in this situation for some reason. Mm. So I think, you know, it, you've, got to, you've got to be relevant to the circumstance, you know. Everyone's going through something different. So empathy comes around like, all right, you can adapt to someone else's situation, you know. Mm. Emotions are the same really. Like what an emotion is 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 the same for everyone but the way you internalize it is what's different yeah, yeah? the way anger makes you feel inside it's different anger is anger like we all mm. know what anger is. frustration is frustration how we internalize it is what's different mm-hmm. and then how we react on top of that internalization is what's different yeah it's true if that makes sense yeah it so. does <laughs> do you know what i was telly and i were also saying before tell goes i wonder what Damien wants out of all of this. Yeah. Like if you could like look in five to ten years' mm. time, mm. where would you see yourself mm. and what would you want out of this? Whole Like what you're doing, your charities, being vulnerable, mm. all that kind of stuff. Have you it's, thought that it, yeah, far? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For me, I always just said it's genuine care. Yeah. yeah. Like if everyone goes into every situation with genuine love and care, mm-hmm. you know, and we're kind of like the world would be a better off place. Yeah. You know, like I, there's nothing – I've got no drama in my – like when I say no, like I've got no drama. Mm. Just because I tackle every situation with love and care and if someone wants to take advantage of that love and care, well, you're not going to be part of my network, are you? Mm. But it's just to walk away and know that I've created some form of change in people, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And the biggest thing is like I said to someone yesterday, I had a conversation, it's like if I was to die tomorrow, I'd be very satisfied because I'd know that there's people who have been influenced by me that would now pass on my message. Mm -hmm. And that – for me is ultimate. Like my message is being passed on because of what my dad passed on to me. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm just like I've taken a legacy from him, put my own spin on that legacy and now hopefully my kids or the kids of my friends or my friends just pass on the message. Yeah. And my, my message what? is not individual. It's like it's a very generic message. Like I just want people to care more. Mm, I yeah. want people to love each other. Like, And that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of time and effort to yeah. – to push that on a bigger scope. Yeah. You know, that's why you jump on these podcasts and that's why you attend events and sometimes you don't want to do all this shit but you know it's relevant mm-hmm. to the message you're trying to push. Yeah. I just want to go to chat like obviously with your message you're trying to push. Mm. So you've obviously you've done the run for Joey, the charity. Yep. Is that Have you done two of I've them? done two. Oh, yeah. you've done two of those. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Did not research you very <laughs> yeah. well. So, no, I didn't know it was two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. The run. Yeah, the run. Yeah. Okay. So the idea of – the first run, which yeah. was – so the, uh, the funny thing is this time last year mm-hmm. I was running right now. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So the 29th of February to the 5th of March was the first run. So on the back of Dad passing away, I, the Peter McCallum has a foundation, yeah. Peter Mac Cancer Foundation. And I was like, I I want to do something to give back to that, that mm-hmm. foundation because the nurses, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. The cancer centre was incredible. So I was like, this is my purpose now. Is my why is like mm-hmm. I need to give back. So I came up with the idea of I wanted to do something in the run space and we would go down to Yarrawonga. I don't know if you know where mm-hmm. Yarrawonga yeah. is, yeah. right on the Murray River. Mm-hmm. We That was a holiday destination for us for since I was five years yeah. old. We'd go there every year. When Dad passed, we decided as a family to instead of going over the New Year's period, we'll go on Dad's birthday, which is the 5th of March, which mm-hmm. is this Friday. Oh, yeah, this year. So Dad's birthday. So we started going for a week. The first two years we went. And the, on the second year when we were driving up, I just had this like light bulb moment. It was like just driving the car with mum and I was like, holy shit, like I think I just worked out what I want to do. Mm. And she's like, what? And I was like, I'm going to run to Yarrawonga. And at this stage I wasn't even a runner. Yeah. Like I didn't, I, I didn't really run. Like I was running therapeutically but like 5, 10K. Mm-hmm. So I Google maps it. I was like, while I'm driving, I was like, quickly just look and it said 272 kilometres. I was like. Doable. <laughs> but then I was like in my head I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I can't do that in one hit. Like let's see how I can break it down. So yeah. I was like, all right, if I do it over six days, it's 49K a day. I'll break it down that way. And then that was it. We kind of launched and I was like, all the ideas came in the car. Like it was a two-hour drive. I was just like, all right. When I get to Yarrawonga, I announced it on Instagram Live. I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I just said I'm going to raise $100,000. I don't even know why that number. Like if anyone has ever tried to raise money individually, $100,000 is a lot of money to try and scope out. So we put together like a year process of organizing it, marketing, dealing with a Peter. A year process. It was a whole year that oh. just to get it, just to get everything, the ball rolling. Yeah. You know, like things like this don't take off in – at this stage I wasn't doing a hell of a lot through like Instagram and uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. Like I didn't have a big following. Like I didn't really ever use Instagram because I just never did. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So I kind of just had to get the ball rolling of like just getting this message talked about, yeah. So – the whole year and then it was like, all right, now I actually need to train for it. Yeah. I actually need to learn, shit, can I run? So like I ended up employing a coach for running, a strength coach, um, put together a full program and then it was like, all right, now I need to start doing it. I need to start training. And that was the hardest part mm. was just physically getting myself ready. But in the process, I think that's where the whole love and care started was like people saw what I was doing and the conversation just started. And that's what, it, that's what I realised was like this is a conversation starter. Yeah. Like people were just coming to me and sharing their story and 
asking for a bit of it because then I started doing a few podcasts, um, started doing a few public talks on it and the, the ball just started rolling really, really quickly and before we know it, we got to the run last year, this time last year and I think we had raised $65,000. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the run like it was so incredible because we just ran down the Hume Highway mm-hmm. all the way to Yarrawonga and – People would stop in their car and give me like five dollar notes, oh, ten dollar. Yeah. People giving me coins, and I was just like, I didn't care if it was a dollar, yeah. five dollars. Like, I would just tell them to stop, get out of the car. I need to give you a hug, mm. just because for me it was like the most inspiring, incredible thing for people to just. Some yeah. of them didn't even know what I was doing. They just knew that I had a car behind me that had, like, Peter McCallum, mm-hmm. and they knew it was for charity, but they just wanted to support. Mm-hmm. So. We did that run. On the back of that, I was like, all right, we've just done something like incredible. incredible. It changed my life. Let's keep it going. So then I came up with the idea of the 24-hour run mm-hmm. around the Maribyrnong River. So we did that last year and that was like kind of during COVID. Like, well, COVID's still here. But yeah. like it was kind of that in between the lockdowns. Oh, and, yeah. Um, we raised an additional 10 grand. Mm-hmm. So we've, we raised over 70, I think 75 now in one year for them last year. Um, but I think my space has now shifted since then. So after that, I kind of realized, and this was a hard decision for me, was like, I don't think I want to keep doing all of this in dad's name and using dad's name as a reason. Mm-hmm. And it got a little bit of backlash like mm-hmm. from people because people were like, well, the run for Joey, it's the run for Joey. And I'm like, well, I don't think my, like we've created our own community and mm-hmm. I don't think dad would want me to keep using his circumstance as a reason Mm. to keep like we've pushed our own message now and like we've created our own legacy. So, yeah, I kind of said that, you know, we're no longer going to be calling it the run for Joey um, and I wasn't going to raise money for the Peter McCallum anymore because I think my space has now shifted towards mental health. Mm -hmm, Um, So I'm kind of looking at, you know, what do I do next in terms of a charity space? So we've announced another run, which is in two and a half weeks. Yeah. This episode will be dropping on a Wednesday and your run, run is on a st- Friday. Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what, the 17th, it'll be dropping? Yep. Yeah. And the run's on the Friday. So, yeah, well, that's amazing. So you've got so, two days. So you've got two days <laughs> yeah. to get on board. But, yeah, so the run will be in two days' time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so this one was like, all right, I don't want to raise money because – you don't want to keep going back to the well, you know, like mm. we've, we've yeah, asked a lot true. of money from – and I'm just a – like I'm a local community, mm. you know, like my message hasn't spread nationally. Mm-hmm. Or it's like people know in my community what's happening and a little bit outside of that in Melbourne but it hasn't spread that far yet. Um, so I was like I'm not going to raise money. All I want for this is to have vulnerable conversations. Have an impact. And that's mm. – and to be honest, uh, you know, once people understood why I went away from what I did – and what I'm still trying, it's the same, I'm still creating the same mm-hmm. message. Mm. I'm just not using my dad's name anymore. Yeah. And for me, that's closure, yeah? Like yeah. now I can just finally say, hey, dad, like Did I this. love you, I remember you, I'll always remember you but I'm not going to keep using you as an excuse to do things. Mm-hmm. I've now got to create and turn my focus to the people that need me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that need me are the people that are here. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, in uh, two days' time or for us it's two and a yeah, half weeks' time, know, right? we – We'll be hitting a 48-hour run around the Maribyrnong River. So, you know, 
And can so, anyone join in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, just so pop down to the river. We'll, you'll see us. We'll just Sarah and flat. I are going to do, is it a lap? A couple of Four laps. Kilometers. Four kilometres. Four kilometres. Don't undersell it. <laughs> Four K is one lap. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, for me, it's scary as shit. And I just I, I said today to someone, I'm like, it's now at that stage where I'm getting a little bit anxious. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm going to be running sort of 250, 300K straight, no sleep. Um, but I'm just excited because yeah. I know the whole community will mm. just rally. Yeah. Um, and not for me. Like I don't want people to come just to be like, oh, I'm here so, for Damien. It's like, no, come for yourself, interact and network. Like the biggest thing that came out of the 24 hour was people met people that they would never have met before. Yeah. Exactly. That is my job is to bring people together that you would not You're have other – Yeah, you, <laughs> you would not have otherwise met in mm-hmm. a day-to-day situation and that's what I love creating. Yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. Speaking of learning new words, and I already knew it's fine. Vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, and you shared it on your Instagram stories last week, and it's what's instigated a conversation between you Mm. and I. Mm. You spoke about five of your prominent vulnerabilities at the moment. Mm. Do you remember what they are? God, you're testing my knowledge. Do you remember what they were? (laughs) One was. (laughs) So one was like. I remember one was something about your dad because I wrote to you. The bottom three I really relate to. Yeah. I said I haven't lost a parent yet but mm. the bottom three I really relate to. It was like mm. something like I'm not doing enough in this world. Yeah, I, I think one thing for me is like am I creating the impact that I think I'm creating? Mm. Yeah. Because you, you know but you really like unless you're in someone else's head, yeah. you just don't know. And I, I think I'll always be like that is like am I doing enough? Like yeah. even if I'm creating it on a – a national, international scale yeah. or all what constantly. Can I do more? Yeah, and that's yeah. just a personality trait. Yeah. That's mm. not like, you know, yes, it is a bit of vulnerability, but it's just me wanting to always push the limits, mm. not mm. from a physical sense, but like from an impact sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing was like, do people think that people maybe don't care as much as I care? Mm. Um, and going back to the conversation we had mm. is like, I care, like when I say deeply, Oh, I care deeply about people, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not just like, oh, I hope you have an amazing day. Like I you actually genuinely. genuinely hand on heart will think I really hope that your day like serves you yeah. in the best yeah. possible way yeah. Yeah. and I can't explain how deep that runs yeah. in me. But you can see it and you can yeah. hear it in your voice. Like I heard it this morning. Like yeah. I'm, you're, gen- you're so genuine. Yeah. And, you know, like I haven't always been like that. Like yeah. it's just something that's come like along the years. But that's one thing that's just always because, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're doing things like this, you get taken advantage of. You get, yeah, your time gets taken advantage of. Your emotional energy gets taken advantage of. Like people have called me a fake, a phony, mm. um, that I don't care as much as I say I care. But I was going to say how do you deal with the backlash of being so putting – you you put putting yourself your out heart there. and soul yeah. out there and – Say your biggest fears, and then yeah. for someone to write that, yeah, it's, it's and also it's, being a male yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. a lot of males are yeah. not vulnerable. At yeah, all. yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I've, I'm an alpha male who's mm, got a yeah. little bit of an ego, but you know, my thing is now like I don't like I actually do. If you want to pot shop me, yeah. that's more reason for me to care even more yeah. because. You're the person that I'm going to influence the most. Yeah, exactly. You may not know yeah. it, you know, like you're not going to know it yet but like so many people have said da 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 and then six months down the track. 100%. We are like going for runs and talking and you're sliding into my yeah. DMs wanting to talk about mm. life. Yeah. 
So like, and it doesn't happen often because I think there's not an element, like there's not a bone in my body that is one bit like fake or phony. Mm. Like I don't lie about anything. I don't, you know, what you see is what you get. And I share my story on so many platforms that you don't even need to speak to me to understand mm. that I'm genuine. Like I'm just, I'm the same. I'm consistent across every platform yeah. that I put my stuff out on. You I know? think the more you talk about it, the more you give zero fucks about what oh, people think. Yeah, 100%. And you know what, like... It's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. Is, <laughs> is there one consistent vulnerable trait that everyone seems to carry with them from conversations you've had? Um, yeah, there probably is. I think the biggest thing is like to have the vulnerable conversation, it's like I notice that it's like people, first you've got to be put in a safe environment mm. where all judgment um, is removed from, you know, like if I have a conversation with you, you want to know that I'm not judging you, I'm not mm, going to go yeah. tell anyone else. So that's the start. I think it's got to be in you to want to, and it is in everyone, yeah. but I think that safe environment provides a platform. The next step is just, like I said before, is accepting your situation. Mm. As soon as you accept whatever your circumstance is, you want to have that conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you deny your, your circumstance – you don't want to talk about it. Mm. You don't want someone to be asking questions about your situation because you haven't accepted it. You're in denial. Mm. So I think the biggest trait you can have with your like trauma is just having acceptance because that's the start of the conversation. How do people explore being vulnerable? Like people might be listening to this and they're mm. like, oh, I don't know, what are my vul- vulnerabilities? Yeah, what yeah, can yeah. I? The easiest way to be vulnerable is with someone else, yeah? yeah. That's, yeah. And for a human, it's a connection thing. Yeah. So what's your network look like? Yeah, I think it's got a lot to do with network. Oh. 100%. My biggest thing is like my mates inspire me, mm. yeah. My mm. friends inspire me to do incredible things. Like if I'm struggling with someone, I call my best mate and cry on the phone. Mm. Like, you know, are, you, are your friends putting you on a pedestal to make you better or are they trying to kick you off the pedestal? Mm. You know, like. A lot of what I see and the people I deal with is their friends aren't making them better people. Yeah. They're actually, in fact, creating more insecurities. Yeah. You know, because for me, like, if my mate does amazing things, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to applaud you. Yeah. Because you know what? You deserve that and I'm here every step of the way. And when you're surrounded by amazing people, you can't help but not feel safe. Yeah. You have, like, you have no choice. You know, I think that's the start of, Really, really opening up a vulnerable conversation is reflecting. And then the next step is like, how do you then have a vulnerable conversation with Mm. a random? Mm. Yeah, you know because I I often I wouldn't say now, but I would feel more comfortable having a conversation with a stranger, because you feel less judged. Yeah, because they don't know you. Yeah, exactly. They don't know your upbringing. They don't know what you do. They don't know anything about you. Yeah. Um. But I think like having real connections with your friends, the people you deal oh, with every single day is, is probably the first step and most important to to them building, you know, that foundation to be yeah. vulnerable. Like I feel like if you start being vulnerable with randoms, well, do you just walk away from that conversation and never speak again? Mm. You've opened up but it's true. then you it's go back to your – yeah, yeah, then you go back to your friends and you're like, mm, I can't have that conversation with them. Mm. So if we can start having those conversations with like our friends, that's why like – we do it all the time. Like even if we're out and we're 
blind. Like, mm. that's the number one time. We oh, get 100% blind. DMs. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, like you have those drunk DMs. Yeah. Like, so at my network now is just built. You know if you're out with me, there is going to be a tear. There's going to be mm. – but we're going to have fun too, mm. you know. So, yeah. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the start for me. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Do you have any questions, Tal? Um, no, I was just like so into that. <laughs> no. What do you think though? Like have you thought about it? My vulnerability? Yeah. Like one of my I'm really scared of failure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's one of my big things. But why? Um the people, judgment. Judgment, other people's yeah. perception. Judgment from yeah. who? Yeah. Um generally family and close friends. Mm-hmm. But there was also a period there, like Tal and I went to yoga training and they like get real deep and I was just like, oh, sometimes I just didn't feel worthy of mm. everything I had. Mm. I felt guilty of things I had and achieved because I'd, I'd been made to feel like that. Mm. So from family and friends. Yeah. And from yep. your childhood, like yeah. childhood trauma, all yeah. that yeah. shit. Like, yeah. That plays a huge environmental oh, factor. Um, huge. And so took me till I was like, what, 25, 26 mm. to actually explore that. And then even after that, it took a good few years to actually accept, oh, no, mm. that's not who I am. It's mm. not that doesn't define me. Mm. That's so, just a okay. morphed perception. For example, like do you ever feel like that when you're with Tal? Oh, God, no. We yeah. have the most mm. okay. open conversation. So yes. then you just have to go back and reassess everyone in my life who is serving that purpose that's, for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And just hang out with those people every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's hard to create that in other people, you know. Yeah. Like and you don't want to be surrounded by people who are just going to make you feel like you can't be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So like pe- people find it hard to change their network. Mm. That for me was the easiest Same. thing to do because I'm like, yeah. you don't serve me, you don't serve me, you don't serve mm. me, you don't serve me yet. Mm. Oh, yet. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, it's easy just to wash everyone away and be like, mm. no, 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 no. But, for me, I'm like, I want to create change. Like, I'm here mm. to push a, me- yeah, push okay. a message. Yeah, okay. So you don't want to, yeah, yeah. So, if you, out of that 10, group of 10, if two of you serve me, that's who I'm going to put all my time and energy into for now. Mm-hmm. And once people start to see the momentum shift and how happy you are, people want to be part of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, my thing is, I never want to just bring myself up. Like, I want to bring myself up, be the best person and the best human I can be. But I want others to just elevate with me. Mm-hmm. And those people will elevate. Like they will stop judging you because they have no reason to judge you. Yeah. But your focus and your energy and your time is not in that direction. So you'll never have to feel guilty of doing anything because your energy and your focus is here looking at Tal. Mm. And if you have another three people that make you feel the same as Tal does, yeah. you can't feel like you have. Yeah. No, it's, you know? it's been a lot of self-reflection yeah. for the like I think ever since I've mm. hit 30, I'm like so much more accepting and confident with who I am, mm. what I want, my values as a person that I've kind of dropped all that mm. shit I think that from comes the with age, yeah. 100%. Yeah, but you're also your thing too is like it's hard. So you feel judged by her family, Yeah, your family. You mm. can't just remove them. I know but I have I, – you can't remove them but you've what, been standing your ground. What my thing is I had to change – my reaction and my perception. Oh, yeah, true, you did too. Biggest yeah. thing. Yeah, Biggest, I, I, it's the exactly hardest out. thing. So yeah. my mum was my trigger. Yeah, mm. I hard. love my mum. Yeah, I am so close with my mum, mm. but she's the one person who knew how to grind my mm-hmm. gears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what caused me the biggest anxiety is 
once she'd grind my gears, I would lose Flare, my yeah. shit. It's yeah. so hard. And I got to a point where one of my mates was like, why are you reacting like the way you mm. are? Like your that's mom's your six- friend pulled you up Yeah, that but day. that's what I'm saying. Go back to your network. Yeah. Like my mom's 60 years old. Mm. She's known one way her whole life. Mm. Yeah. I have to stop. I Like focus on what I can now control. I can control is my reaction to things. Mm-hmm. So now I just just don't get upset. Like, and what ends up happening is she just finds no trigger for like. There's mm. no trigger now mm, yeah. because she's like, oh, he doesn't react. Yeah, kind of dissolves. It just it fizzles yeah. out. Yeah. and then they're like, oh, this is shit. Like, yeah. I'll go get my kick from someone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what yeah. I mean? But you know, going back and saying that they're family. Well, family or no family, mm. I don't care who it is. This is this is my personal mm-hmm. thing. He's like. I, if I just have to see you at a family function, big shit. For mm. two hours I've got to put on a brave face yeah. and either just not talk to you or just act nice for the sake of it, perfect. Yeah. You don't have to go out of your way to visit, call, blood or no. Some of my best mates are closer to me than I am with my own family. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I call my – like I love my family, I adore all of them, but mm. my friends mm. are my family also. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that can be the yeah. case – doesn't matter, like family. Yeah. I know you like whatever. They're my family. But yeah. You mm. choose your network. Before we wrap it up with some other questions, some this fun is questions. yeah. Um, this is a question I going back to your dad, mm. and it's something that we all probably have to go through is losing a parent, and I know mm. it. It's Tal's biggest fear. Yeah, it's my biggest fear. And especially my dad. Yep. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there any way you can prepare for it, you think? <laughs> nah. Simple answer? Yeah. No way. No. There's no way. Yeah. Go find a rule book. Is there a rule book? Yeah. yeah. Go find – you know what? You can you can listen to lived experience. You can listen to someone like me. And mm. But at the end of the day, no one knows your relationship. Mm. No one knows those little things that you and dad would – you know, just, you know, the little looks or the little hugs, the embraces, like the connection you have with your parent, anyone really. Mm. Like if, say, one of you lost a parent, it's not the same as me losing a parent because mm, yeah. our connection might be different. different. There's no rule book. You just you deal with the emotion mm. in, the, in the moment, you know. But I think it helps if you're, if you're very self-aware. Yeah. You know, like if you've done a lot of personal development stuff and you're in tune with your emotions, I think that's the biggest thing is start getting in tune with your emotions because that will then dictate how you deal with anything that comes up moving forward. Mm -hmm. So like my thing now is I feel every emotion under the sun and I do that for a reason because if you suppress anger, you suppress frustration, you actually become unaware of how to react Mm -hmm. when it comes in, yeah, Mm -hmm. and you will react really poorly. So for me now, that's why like when I say oh, I sit there and I'll cry and I'll I'll let feel all it. that emotion come in, like feel it, feel it all. Like know what it feels like to feel all these emotions mm. because then you'll understand how you react to that and you can start to work out, all right, the way I reacted in that situation was probably not ideal for my life and the people around me. So you'll change it. So it's hard, like you have to go through some shit to then understand of how to, to – but you can feel shit on a daily basis. Mm. You can feel stuff at work. You can feel stuff with your friends. Like things come up, yeah. Mm. Start like being a bit more self-aware. Yeah. Start building like tune. a – Yeah, a bit more emotional intelligence. Yeah. Like that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing with our generations now is 
losing the ability to be aware of ourselves yeah. because our focus has become a little bit on what everyone else is doing. Uh-huh. Especially like, and you never want to use social media and things, but we've got more access to seeing what everyone's doing, mm. you know. Focus on what you're doing. Yeah. Focus on how you fill your own cup. Yeah. I think one thing that like after listening to you today, yes, I am scared of my parents passing away Mm. but I think one thing that I've learned is like fuck I need to be way more present with them and spend more time with them and I think I've said this to you before because anything could happen so going on that such a perfect and this is the timing is incredible on the way driving here one of my best mates who lives in Perth called me and said hey um just need to let you know that Darren one of our other good mates his dad suddenly passed in his sleep on the weekend And I said, how's Darren doing? And he turned around and he said he's struggling because he he wasn't always there yeah. in the moment for his dad. And that's one and thing that, I've learned from yeah. this podcast. So that, and that's how ironic is that that conversation yeah. just can't. He, he's hating the fact that he didn't put enough time and energy into the relationship uh-huh. while his dad was here. Yeah, and literally like when yeah. you were just talking before, I'm like, wow. Yeah, so yeah. and it's just, yeah, go back. Like, what are you doing? Because like I know now like my relationship with my dad, there's nothing I can regret. Yeah. Nothing. Like I was so present with my mm. dad. We did everything together. He taught me so much. I listened to him. I spoke to him. Like, you know, there's times where you get shitty with each other. Yeah, of course. That's, that's not Normal. the stuff you're yeah. going to regret. Yeah. Like the stuff you're going to regret is like the neglecting, yeah? Yeah. Not giving your time, not wanting to be there, spend time, you know, like. Being on your phone when you're yeah, with them. It's yeah, like that absolutely. shit I'm like, fuck. My, yeah. my, one of my more aware things to do is to hear people's, like even your dad, I've sat down with them. Mm. I was like, what was your life like? What yeah. did you grow up? What, yeah. And hearing yeah. their life stories. like yeah. Incredible. Like it's the like the girl I did the um, the live with yesterday, yeah, Courtney, yeah, yeah. and I mentioned to you, like that is like, you know, like listening to someone else's story. I love hearing other people's Same. stories, you know. Like I don't always want to just listen to mm. – I, I know my story mm. inside and out. Mm. Like my learning comes from now – hearing someone else and how they dealt with it. And that's how you start to build like a level of empathy mm-hmm. is just listen. Like don't be so quick on the trigger to talk all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Like for me, I love just sitting back and being like I'm just I'm all easier. Like mm-hmm. I just want to see how you dealt with things, like what affected you in what way and what reactions did it create in you. And then you start to like – then you start to understand people. That's how you really start to understand people is like listening. Also understanding yourself by yeah, listening. Yeah. You have to understand yourself first before yeah, you yeah, go. True, yeah, true, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just love it. I just love people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you love hugs. We've got one more to go yeah. before no, we I'm leave No, I'm learning you. to love hugs. I don't hate hugs as much anymore. Yeah, um, good. I might give <laughs> tell the quick fire yep. questions just because I want to ask you these. this question has three elements and you asked it to your guest yesterday oh, yeah. on your podcast, <laughs> what <we> right? <laughs> That's a question I ask all the time. Yeah, so I was like, that, she's so that, from, like, it's a good question. That's a really Did good you use the, is that what you've used in the past? No, no, no she's no, using no, you used it yesterday. Oh, you're just using my material yeah. on me. <laughs> <laughs> but then Tal can finish with ours. Yeah, I'll finish with ours. Because yeah. I was like, oh. It's actually, it's, it's, it's great. A, it's an interesting yeah. question. Yeah, it's actually great. Yeah. So for the, the peeps listening, this is Damien's question. Damien's um, question to himself. Your 60-year-old self. You're looking back at yourself right now. What would you start doing? Yeah. What would you continue doing? And what would you stop doing? So I did watch your life. Do you know what? No one's ever asked the question back to yeah. me. Have you ever thought of the answer? Yeah, before? I think about, oh, yeah, it. Yeah. I think about it like yeah. constantly. But I think if we go continue doing is everything we've just already talked mm-hmm. about is just continue 
to allow people to to feel safe and vulnerable and open up and and keep that care of like love and community keep that going because that ultimately for me is what fills majority of my cup is mm-hmm. just seeing other people succeed along the way so that's to continue doing the stop doing is probably th- stop thinking that other people are always going to think like me mm-hmm. and that's the biggest thing is like I'm such a people person but little things do trigger me like I I hold a little bit of an expectation on society yeah. and I'm learning to get better at it but like for example I'm newly in a relationship mm-hmm. and I'm now have to consider someone else's mm-hmm. feelings and thoughts and beliefs and upbringing and because I have a little bit of an expe- expectation on the way I handle things I sometimes put that on other people mm-hmm. and think when you don't live up to that standard, it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. So to stop doing is remove expectation because for me expectation is the mother of all evil. As soon as you expect <laughs> yeah. things from people, you get disappointed. So that is my my stop. Start doing. Um, oh, I think <laughs> this is a tricky one because like I start doing a lot of things every mm-hmm. day but it will probably be more related to like mum is like maybe start helping her a bit more mm-hmm. and not and just don't keep thinking that her life's done. Yeah. You know, like and I think this is a big thing is I've started to learn is I just accepted that mum was always the way she was. Mm-hmm. Like and she's always going to be like that. But you know, like I can impact her. Yeah. And even at 61, 62, like I can I can still maybe create change because mm-hmm. she's a stubborn Italian little old lady <laughs> yeah. who's like four, four foot ten and yeah. is fiery as hell. Like Start thinking that you can influence people that you may never thought that you'd be able to influence. Mm. Like, because there's some people out there that I'm like, oh, I'll never be able to impact that mm. person. I think you just I have like to do that it a yeah. different way. Yeah, is yeah. like now I'll just start because I, I sort of go about it a relatively similar way. Mm. So our network sort of all respond the same way, but it's like you can influence someone maybe more financially well off than you, maybe. Mm-hmm someone a bit older than you mm-hmm. or someone really, really like, you know, like start thinking outside the square on how you can start impacting these people. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that was really good. It's a really good question actually. I thought <laughs> I of give myself. you permission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I trademarked that. I, no, Copyright. free, no royalties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we always finish the podcast with yeah. a few quick fire Rapid questions. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to remember them because we've only used them three times. But <laughs> you might have to get your phone out for this one. Oh. What was the last photo in your phone? Do you remember? Photo in my phone. Mm-hmm. Like, one second, let me get it. Grab yeah. it. <laughs> this could be interesting. I know, I know. So we always, it's always putting people You've on the spot. You've got a new girlfriend, so I hope it's um, G rated. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> if it's bad, no. you skip to the second last one. I can't even say it. It's screenshots of someone else's messages. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. So, oh, that's done. That's, that's done. Right. Prior to that was a photo of the interview I did yesterday. Oh, cute. Yeah, She's really Courtney, gorgeous, who, actually. Yeah. You definitely should get on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to tee up that for yeah, you. Yeah, we would um, love that. Absolutely. Um, and how do you work out? We already know this. Running. Running. How do, you, oh, how do I work yeah. out? Yeah. Oh, well, see, that's the thing is like people think I just run, yeah? Okay, so you do other things. What like, oh, like my week is filled with like running is just like a – Element. You know, an element mm. of what I do. But then like I'm in the gym three days a week. I do yoga. I do yep. mobility. I box. Like mm. so it's not it just the running. Yeah. Like the running is the end result. Mm-hmm. The accumulation is all those other things. Okay. Yeah. And why do you work out? Why? 
Oh, for me, mentally, it just keeps me on the straight and narrow. Isn't that funny? Every it keeps me out of person. trouble. It does. Yeah. It really, really does. Because when I'm not training and I'm, it puts me in a bad headspace. Do you know I'm what? in a bad headspace. Yeah. I do things that I shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, we all do. I <laughs> do you know it's so funny. This is like the like new questions we've asked, and every single yeah. person has said it's for their mental health. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone is listening to this and doesn't work yeah. out yeah. and wants to feel better, yeah, mental work health. Out. The biggest thing for me is I work out because it, it allows me to bring the community together. Yeah. So when I run, I can person. bring five, 10, 20 people together or yeah. just me and someone mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. which means then I get to have a conversation. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the only lot. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's a quick fire. Yeah. Boom. Um, done. Well, thank you. Love you, bro. Love thank you so much. And See you running we are around actually... the Maribyrnong River this weekend. Absolutely. Oh, I'll yeah. be there. I'll be there. So I'm come excited. and join. But no, you girls are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. So I'll thank be here you. to support. Legend. Thank you. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.